Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. Oh, my goodness, it's Pride Month, and I'm so excited to continue our conversations that we've been having this month. And I did want to say before we begin, I got new Invisaligns. So if it sounds like I'm spitting when I'm talking, I apologize. <laughs> and they kind of hurt. Like, I feel like this third tray is literally starting to stretch my teeth out. But we're going to continue this conversation with the man sitting next to me, if you are watching this. And if you're not watching this, I'm sitting next to Chip Hoppa, who is, you know, we have this really great working relationship, but we're also good friends. And about four plus years ago. And, you know, when you meet somebody, you get to know them and you know them over time and you build a relationship. Well, a couple years ago, I found out that Chip and I had something very much in common. And all of you know that I was sexually abused. And while our stories are completely different, I feel like you can learn a lot from people who not only have been through something similar to you, but you can also learn how they dealt with it. And maybe if you're dealing with something very similar, you can find ways to either cope or get counseling or what have you. But we're going to listen to Chip's story today. He's going to be very open and honest about his experience and i hope that again it can help you too or maybe you can help someone that you know so sit back get ready to trust and believe what's up This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. All right, Chip, before we get into the other stuff, I need people to know that Chip is crazy. See, y'all, a lot of y'all, if you know Team Sean T, a lot of y'all see Chip kind of handling things and he don't play, but Chip is messy and he's really fun. I want to give them a little behind the scrim of who you are, like... What is what do you enjoy in your life? Like, what is something that you're like, I absolutely love doing this, and nobody knows, though. Everyone knows you love fitness. Is there something out there that you love that is like this hidden secret? I would say it's something that people probably don't know that I, I like being alone. Like, I feel like most people would probably not think that because I like fitness, and I like taking group fitness, and I like being in groups of people. But I really find the recharging to be something I can do when I'm alone. 
Wow. So when Elliot leaves the house, he gets happy. Okay, so <laughs> Elliot's over there just in case. he's Elliot's in the room, y'all. I thought you were going to say that you are a super real housewives of Atlanta fan. <laughs> I mean, that could be true, but that's true as well. <laughs> <laughs> and if what you don't know is our... Like, I would say 90% of the gifts that Chip and I send in a iMessage are of Nene leaks. That's and true. <laughs> like, ridiculous Real Housewives stuff. So, that's really funny. But anyway, all right, it's Pride Month. Tell me how you feel every time Pride Month comes around every year. And the reason why I ask this question is because a lot of times in our, in our world, we're celebrating National Donut Day or Dance Day or Black History Month. And... I just want to know, like, how do you feel when Pride Month comes around? I feel like it's a time to help more people become allies, because I think that Pride is something that people often don't understand. Like they see rainbows or they see like terms like equality, but I don't think that people understand Pride and like how it originated. And the most relatable way that I think about Pride is I think about what the opposite of Pride is, which is shame. Mm. And I think that gay people certainly experience shame, but also heterosexual people experience shame and that people find relatability with shame because shame is something that is like a societal thing. It's not something that you're born with. Shame mm -hmm. is something that you experience from society. And I think that ways that we as gay people or non-gay people can overcome shame is by connecting with other individuals and understanding each other better. And that often means like connecting with people who necessarily don't share the same beliefs or background as you, but people who can say, I see you, I hear you, I know your story, and there isn't a, a necessarily a need to feel shame. And I think that can connect a lot of people in really unique ways to better understand pride. I never really thought of it that way, just because I'm so like hardcore mm. <laughs> about making people understand that we are human, but the flip side of that is people still feel shame. And I think that pride in general i guess you saying that makes me think more about the people who are out there right now who are in the closet mm -hmm. and maybe not able to celebrate in the way that we feel so i appreciate you acknowledging that because i feel like shame is it, the root of it is saying i feel bad for something mm. you know like that's where that feeling originates and i feel like that there are a lot, I mean, I can think of a time when I was wanting to come out or know, knowing more about my identity and, and feeling like shame because I felt bad, but I also felt conflicted because this is who I am. Yeah, let's talk about coming out because everyone has their own coming out story. I think that when you meet other gay people, especially when you're young, the first question is, when did you come out? Mm -hmm. But I think it's deeper than that. When did you come out and what was your experience coming out? So I grew up in, in the South. Interesting, I've never really like asked my parents any questions in retrospect, but coming out was scary, just like it was, is for many people. But I came out when I was a teenager, I, I was 17, and I was very nervous, I was very scared, but I was also very confused because my parents never, they never asked me if I had a girlfriend, they never asked me about like sex, they never asked me about any of like desires or basically coming into adulthood. There were no birds and bees. No, talk. no, never. And I think that because I never heard them talk about that or even to talk about sex, it felt very taboo. So not only was it confusing because I was figuring out my own identity, but it was confusing because I felt like it wasn't something I could talk about whether I was straight or gay. Mm. It felt like something that was just supposed to be kept internally and not really shared with anybody. My entire family wasn't affectionate at all anyway. 
So I think that had something to do with it. So on top of it of being scared of owning my identity, I was scared to share that with my family just because I knew that I didn't know any gay people I went to school with. I certainly didn't know any gay people in my family. My parents didn't know any gay people. And because of that, it felt very, very daunting to try and explain that to the people who brought me into the world. That's so interesting because I know from our conversations, your family to be which seems to be more liberal. Mm -hmm. And I just find it to be surprising in a non-judgmental way mm -hmm. that coming from the household you came from and knowing how progressive you are, mm -hmm. that your family never even acknowledged that or yeah. even talked about it. It's not bad. So when you did come out, what was it like? I mean, it was like emotionally reaction. heavy, mm -hmm. like for them and for me as well. I mean, I don't think it came as a surprise to them, but I also don't know. There was very little said. My mom has always been emotional and she was very, very, very distraught. And my dad said very little, but my mom just basically said, we'll never have grandkids. You'll always find it hard to get a job. You'll never be successful. And I don't think that she was saying these things because she was mad at me now, as I look back on it, I think she was thinking about how hard my life would be mm. because of being gay. But I also believe that that stems from, I mean, my parents at that time were in their 50s. And so I think at, just because of the era in which they grew up, they knew very little about what it meant to be gay. And it was still a time when like gay rights were definitely being championed, but they weren't around yet. Like gay people couldn't get married then. Yeah. And so I think because of their lack of knowledge about it and their being scared about it overall made them really fearful for what it meant for me. It's a very introspective way of thinking about it because a lot of people get mad that mm -hmm. their parents didn't understand mm -hmm. but also i think a lot of people out there have parents who react in a certain way and not that we should give them a free pass to mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. not be extremely supportive however i think that a lot of them are afraid mm -hmm. because even me as somebody who's out and proud and gay you know, every time my son wants to wear a wig and a dress out this door, well, for, my first thing is like, worry, bitch, like, let's go. <laughs> but because of the way I grew up and the yeah. fear that I had, there's that small fear like, oh, gosh, who am I going to have to fight in the street for somebody coming out their face to my kid? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, that quickly gets diffused. But I had that small inkling of, yeah. okay, who's going to tease him or who's going to, like right here on the, on the counter, he has a cheerleading outfit. Like he wanted his costume to be a cheerleading outfit. He's like, Papa, were you a cheerleader? I was like, I was. He's like, did you wear this? I said, I didn't wear the dress, but I'm like, once you put that thing on, you're going to learn some cheers. Cause I know the cheers, you know, but him having parents who, while we are gay, I mean, we still have that, oh shit, who's going to tease him or what is he going to go through? He only likes wearing them around mm -hmm. the house, which most of the time, but. It just, I, so I kind of, in a way, can put myself in your parents' shoes and a lot of parents who may not want to disown their kid, but yeah. react in such a way out of fear. I think a lot of people, especially white people, haven't really gone through anything. They were never the minority in a right. sense, unless you were a woman, which I get. So their first thing is fear because they see everyone who's different than the norm being judged and ostracized and looked at as less than. So mm -hmm. I understand that. All right. We hope first and foremost, we hope that if you're out there and you need to come out, I'm going to try to put in the show notes, just some phone numbers and some support lines, just in case you can't celebrate pride at this very moment, because 
of fear of being judged and not being supported by your family. Okay, moving on. So like I said in the intro, we have something in common and we were both sexually abused. And I just want you to share your story because again, there are people out there who this has happened to and they keep it a secret and maybe they will never share it, but just knowing that other people have been through it, they may feel just a little next to normal. Mm -hmm. I, at a young age, I, as I was like exploring what I wanted to do with my life, I wanted to be a police officer. And I sought out mentorship from people who were a police officer. And so there was a gentleman who I thought was my mentor. The conversation would always shift back to my personal life somehow as we were talking about like a degree or a career path or things I could be doing at the age that I was at to pursue that career path. It would always shift back to my personal life. And I was still struggling a little bit myself with being gay at the time. And I think that he knew that being older than me and like being able to pick up on that mm -hmm. and social media was somewhat around then. So I think he had done some research to figure out that he knew I was gay. He kind of coursed me into conversations with talking about my sexual identity and, and, you know, about the fact that I had a boyfriend at the time. And so he was able to pick up on those vulnerabilities and was able to manipulate the conversations to be in a way where if he were to promise me things like, I can get you a great professor. I can get you college credits. Like I can get you an interview. I can get you all these things in exchange for what was sexual favors. And so there were several times in which I was with him physically when he had abused me or forced me to perform sexual acts on him. And he made it very clear with the conversation that I would, I really want you to get this opportunity, but I would hate for you to not get it because you weren't able to help me out. And at the time, it really messed with my self-worth mm. because I was going to college. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. You know, you're seeing all these people that you went to school with choose these different areas of careers and get jobs and all the stuff. And, you know, you kind of start to make money on your own. It's kind of like coming into adulthood. And in the beginning, I felt like, okay, this is good. I'm getting opportunities. I'm having conversations like people like me. It's kind of starts to feel validating in a way. But then I very much remember like just one day feeling a like a, a harsh shift in like, I only have value if I'm performing these sexual acts. Mm. Like I, my degree doesn't mean anything. These credits don't mean anything. My experience doesn't mean anything. Like my work ethic doesn't mean anything. The only part that is like driving this forward is my ability to participate in like these sexual favors. You know, and so it was that day that I literally dropped out of college oh. because the professor who was overseeing like my degree path was one of his best friends. And I just remember like that day because of having that realization, I wanted like I wanted all connection to be like just immediately stop because I thought all these things are constant reminders of what I'm having to do. And it's literally impacting all areas of my life from like my education to my finances to my desire to want to go on dates with people. It just felt like it became a part of my life that was so much bigger than I realized until that moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So how old were you when this was taking place? I was 18, 19. Like I was just starting to like understand college and know what I wanted to do with my life. But, you know, I met him when I was 16 and then started to like be mentored by him at age 17. And then like it continued on as I was like getting older. One of the things that's very frustrating about these predators is that they're predators. Mm -hmm. You know, they, mm -hmm. and they prey on you. They literally prey on your self-worth, which is in part why, <laughs> you know, it affected your self-worth because yeah. you're like, so, and I had that experience when I was molested when I was like, well, I can only go to the scientific store if I perform this oral sex on you. Like, really? Like, that's mm -hmm. why? So I totally get that. And I know it made me pause because I'm just like, like, it's so transactional and empty. Yeah. You know, and the only time I could like feel like I could stop thinking about all of the areas of my life that it was affecting was when I would go to a fitness class. Mm. Because like, I found like, you know, it, it was really a time when I was able to like, I didn't have my phone. I just turned my brain off and it dissipated. And so it became very like therapeutic because I craved that, that disconnect because I couldn't feel it anywhere else. Cause it was in my inbox. Like if, if I had a paper due, like, you know, it was in my inbox. If I was applying for like a job with the police department, like it was affecting so many areas of my life that I just felt like it was almost impossible to like pull back from let alone feel like, well, how many other people is he doing this to? Mm. You know, because then that started to feel heavy once I understood what was happening and I got older and I like started to put things together and I thought to myself, well, how can I possibly do justice to other people if I'm so far in it? How many other people are this far in it? You know, and how could I even possibly begin to think about getting myself out or even helping others? So the day you dropped out of school, was that the same day? Was that the last time it happened? Well, that was the last time I really, like, I mean, I was such a people pleaser that I didn't just, like, block him or stop talking. I don't even know if blocking was a thing. Then. But I just kind of started to make up excuses as to why I couldn't see him. I couldn't, like, work on whatever he was, like, trying to help me with. I, I remember trying to use the excuse that I had a boyfriend and then he wanted to meet him because he said he needed to approve of him. Like, you know, I want to make sure he's good for you. Like just, and that was the entirety of our connection. Like it was always very manipulative and always like serving him and what he wanted from it. And for a while I thought that it was serving me, but it wasn't. Being a person that abused, it's like, you kind of feel like, well, I don't know if you feel like this, but it sounds like, cause it's similar to me, you have to take on this responsibility of slowly getting yourself out of it. Yeah. Like, it's like, you can't just say, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. I'm done. Right. I'm over it. It's like, oh, you're okay. It's like, I got to take care of you for me to feel better, you mm -hmm. know? And I think a lot of people, if you see anything online now about sexual abuse, like the first thing that people go to is like, oh, if you, if you like need help, speak up. And I think that, that just, it sounds so easy, but it's just not mm -mm. like, who do you tell? And then how do you explain? And it just, it sounds easy, but it's not that easy to just like speak up because you just, you, there are so many situational things that are often involved in people who are being abused that it's not easy to just like tell someone and, and be like, Oh, thank goodness it's over. Well, not only do you have to 
admit it to yourself mm -hmm. to speak up. But then you have to figure out, well, who I'm going to tell, who am I yeah. going to tell? And now you're wondering if that person is going to tell someone else, if right. that person is going to believe right. you. Yeah. And then in addition to that, is it going to get back to the person that's abusing you? Because it could be filled with fear Correct. that this person is going to come to you. So yeah, just saying, tell somebody doesn't work. And even, you know, when I go to therapy, there's so many things that I have to say in therapy. And sometimes, while I feel like I'm a pretty open book, honey, like sometimes I get to therapy and I'm like, I always, it's funny because I start out this thing with my therapist. I say, listen, if I ever say, oh my God, that means you need to clutch your pearls <laughs> and be ready because one, I'm like, I cannot believe I'm about to tell somebody this. Oh my gosh. And number two, you know, I don't want you to judge me. Yeah. And so even in a, in a space where you aren't really going to be judged because it's a medical professional that's helping your mental state, it's hard to tell. So just to say speak up is definitely not an easy thing to do. No, no. And you know, I just, I, I don't think I realized until I continued to age how it was affecting me in so many areas of my life that I, that I wasn't like consciously aware of. Like what? Well, for example, like coming out, like after I came out and you know, I was like trying to accept myself, let alone tell other people, you know, I was overweight and I was insecure. And then you add the layer of being like sexually abused and you feel like it just completely eliminated my self-worth to be able to think like, okay, I'm trying to get healthy. I'm trying to lose weight, but now I'm being sexually abused and someone's taking advantage of me. And it just really starts to like mess with all of your thoughts that you, that you have about yourself. Do you think random question? I think because a lot of people probably look at you now and people who don't really know you or follow your story, they're like, you were overweight. And I put overweight in quotes because overweight for me is overweight is different than overweight for somebody out there like you. So let's just be very clear. But for you, you know what overweight is for you. Do you feel like, were you overweight when he was abusing you? When we first met, yes. And then I discovered fitness during the time that we knew each other. And did it slow down or was it just very consistent along the way? I was consistent because I was determined to like be in better health. But, you know, he was very manipulative with his compliments toward me. Like he knew that he wanted to make me feel safe or make me feel attractive to him. So it was always praise like, oh, you're losing weight. Like I was praised by him for it in a way that like, you know, made me know that he was attracted to me and he wanted obviously something from me. So annoyed. I'm an, I always, I still get annoyed when people tell me the stories because I just like find it to be so selfish, you know, and not. Well, and I feel like a lot of people are sexually abused by people that they're looking to be mentored from. It's someone in a church, it's someone in their family, it's someone who they're like, they're entrusting with something very valuable to them only to find out it is exactly the opposite that that they're actually getting from mm -hmm. this person and so i think that's why it makes me say it's so hard to speak up because usually you're speaking up against someone who has some sort of reputation to be some sort of like public figure or someone who is you know at high held at high regard that is doing the abusing yeah so they're like looking up as people look up to this right person. So that, and right. that's very similar to me because my abuser was like what I consider to be the hierarchy of the family. It was mm -hmm. like everyone thought this mm -hmm. person was like the most amazing person and not to know that like
there was this constant rotation of abuse to people. And I think those people know that. I think they know they're held in high regard because I think that there is a connection somewhere that they make that says, okay, you know, I obviously know this is wrong. However, no one will ever believe that I'm capable of this. Doesn't say like no one's going to believe. Right. They're going to believe you, you as the person that's being sexually abused, you think to yourself, well, no one's going to believe me. Right. Right. And they also compound that with the manipulation, with making you feel good. And then I always also think that they show out even more. Like they actually build that force field of trust with outside sources. So even if they were to be caught, mm -hmm. they would have their ammunition if you could. For sure. For sure. So you found a way to mm -hmm. end that relationship, if you will. So whatever happened? Well, nothing happened for a while. <laughs> we... I really lost touch. Like it was very intentional on my part. I got older, I got busy, I met people, I got fit, I found friends, and it really like just became a part of my life that was in the past. I never told anyone at that time. I didn't tell anyone I was dating. I didn't tell my friends. I didn't tell my family. Not because it was something I wanted to like hold in or like bury, but just because I thought what purpose would it serve for me to share this with people now? You know, not that I'm hiding it, but just that whatever, right? So then... Gosh, it probably was almost 10 years later that I got a random message on Facebook from a, a police detective just saying, hey, we found your information on some something we seized and search warrants from someone's computer. Here's my badge number. Here's whatever to verify I'm legitimate. We'd like to speak with you on the phone. Here's my cell number. And so I was, I was living in Southern California at the time. And I had the long commute to LA for a fitness a workout, a turbo kick video I was filming. Yes. <laughs> and so I called her in the car on the but way. But before that, were you, were you kind of taken aback when you got this message? Well, I wasn't sure if it was real, uh -huh. but I assumed that because she gave like her badge number and everything that, that it was legitimate. And I was like, that seems kind of strange. Obviously I immediately knew she gave very little detail because I'm sure she wanted to like have a conversation with me on the phone. But I assumed I knew what it was related to. And so that was, I think, another reason why I was like, oh, let me call her. So I called her on my drive up to L.A. And basically it was exactly what I thought it was, where they had obtained a search warrant and had gotten his computers, his cell phones, like all of his device. He had saved every photo that I had sent him. They found our conversation history in his devices. And this is like an older time period. And I'm sure you remember like, Back in the t early 2000s, a lot of photos were date stamped. And so- Especially in the AOL Instant Messenger. Right, right. <laughs> and so because they were able to know how old I was and they look at the date stamp, they knew I was underage. Mm -hmm. And so that was one of the reasons they weren't pursuing the conversation with me. And so she just very simply asked that day if I would be open to sharing my story, what happened, and because there were other victims who had come forward and they were one opening an investigation into him and what are the, the allegations were against him for sexual abuse. Oh my gosh. The moment. Mm -hmm. And so after she, after you guys had this conversation, did they ever, like, were there more victims? Like, I mean, did they find it? There are a lot. I want to say there are something around a dozen victims in its entirety. But what was interesting about the moment was just because I didn't forget that it happened. But, you know, after 10 years of something goes by and you don't talk about it and you don't experience it and you don't recall it, just it being brought to you abruptly like that is is really just just kind of jarring, you know? And so because I had never told anyone, it had never come up in a conversation with anyone. Oh, wow. 
And so just having that candid conversation with the police detective really just made me, it just brought it fresh to life again, you know, which was hard, but I was old enough then and like, you know, confident in like my spirituality and just like what I was doing in my life to know that it wouldn't be brought to me again if it wasn't meant for me to deal with. Mm. No matter what the outcome is of like dealing with it, it wouldn't be brought to me if I wasn't supposed to have it brought to me. So do you feel like it being brought back up and now, I mean, we're many years past that, do you feel like in any way did it force you to do any deeper internal mm -hmm. work? Or, yes. You know? Yes, it had to. Because I just think that anytime you're going through some type of traumatic experience, our bodies have a trauma response. And we never know truly what those responses are until we're forced to deal with it. Whether it like, you know, in therapy or whatever the case may be, you don't really know how it's impacting all those areas of your life until you have to deal with it. And so I think that that phone call that I had that day was the start of me healing from it instead of ignoring it. Yeah. I mean, you've heard me say, I mean, Scott talked about like, especially when people are arguing, you're like, it's not the thing, it's the thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people, whether you've been sexually abused or not, it could be an experience from your childhood. It could have been bullying or being bullied. Yes. It could be like sitting the bench on a sports team. I feel like a lot of us are have been so affected or are affected even currently by things that we act out in ways that have nothing to do with the reason why we're acting out, but something that's so deeply embedded in ourselves. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times a case in point is why I tell people try as best you can to go to therapy because mm. you're living by suppressing these things. And I truly believe the way we plant seeds for fruit and trees and grass or whatever the case may be, that's the same thing that happens in our lives. Like the minute we, minute something happens to us, if we try to suppress it, it's going to grow and foster in different ways. And I'm a true believer in like getting it out so that it doesn't turn, you know, you don't have branches of all this negativity and you can focus on that and really kind of like have the rest of your life be truly fruitful. Just getting back into, so where's this guy now? What was the outcome of? Yeah, this? so he's in prison now. That was like five or six years ago that that conversation took place between the detective and I. And a lengthy, lengthy trial went on back in Louisville, Kentucky, where all of this happened. And he was sentenced to, I cannot remember, but a lot of jail time because of all the victims that have come forward. But it's still being litigated. Even though he's in prison, there's just, so, it was so layered. I mean, there's allegations that there was a cover-up by the police department and like the mm -hmm. city council and like there were documents destroyed. And but there's there, there was just so much to it because he wasn't the only police officer who was involved in this. And there were just so many victims that had so many stories to tell that it's one of those things where you kind of really start to wonder if like the true story will ever come out. But it, I definitely do have peace of mind knowing I gave my side of the story and, you know, it resulted in him going to prison along with all the other victims because it just means that's one less person that's capable of doing this to more exactly. people, you know? Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Now, where do you know if the victims were, were they both genders? Yes. There, it was about a 70% ratio, 70% men and 30% women. Most all of them were underage, so their identities weren't revealed because of the time that right. it happened. All the like documents, even that are built for public record, are either Jane Doe or John Doe. Mm-hmm. So you know that some were female. Yeah. That is insane. And if you like read all of the stories, it all happened in the exact same way. It was a course of conversation that happened on social media where he, you know, in exchange for helping these people do something, there were like sexual favors or forceful sexual interaction. No, you weren't the only one in that there are people that have, was able to get in behind bars. Like, how are you working on yourself? Like currently, what's your takeaway and how do you plan to move forward with this now having been part of your work for the past few years? Self-work. I learned a lot. I just feel like that it's so easy for people to say, oh, you know, you have to find the silver lining in all of like your trials and tribulations. And not that that's impossible. A lot of, I've learned a lot. I feel like that because that happened, I truly found a passion for fitness. It really like allowed me to connect with other people because I was so present in fitness. And I also feel like I later in life learned the importance of like healing from trauma Mm. because even though i was sexually abused that's not the only trauma that i've uncovered in therapy like coming out moving out when i was 17 like was traumatic you know like all of the things that come along with that is traumatic and i just feel like if i learned if i learned something the most impactful it's like figuring out how to heal from your past is truly the best gift that you could give your future self Mm. Because it doesn't just affect you. It affects how you interact with other people, how you treat other people, how you understand other people. And it, it like and it's and that goes beyond personally, it's professionally. Like it's everything you do. And so I just feel like that and it goes directly to the meaning of Pride Month, right? It's not just about being proud of who you are, but it's understanding who you are and then sharing who you really are with all of the people that you interact with, whether it's virtually or in real life. Yeah. And I also think that for people out there who may not be ready, because mm. I think that's the other, it's kind of like you were talking before about shame. Like mm-hmm. some people are ashamed about pride. Some people are ashamed of things that happen to them. While we talk a lot about therapy and I talk a lot about getting help and telling someone, not everybody's going to be brave enough to do that. And I think that in some way that is okay too. Because while I'm like, I'm a big proponent of therapy, I know it will help you so much. I know it sometimes feels like 
you have to go relive that situation again, which is the scariest thing for a lot of people who suppress it for such a very long time. I think that while it may be hard to do it, I'm also going to tell you to like, take your time because just like coming out is not very easy. You kind of have to come out when you want to. Same thing with telling someone you have to do it on your terms when you're ready. I think it's unlike being a parent. People say you're never going to be ready to have kids. Like you're never ready. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it. But with this, you have to take your time and know that you're in a good headspace and mental space to do it. And so I just don't want anyone out there to feel forced to be like, well, I have to tell somebody right now. It doesn't have to happen right now, but I would definitely take steps on working toward that internal strength because you do get better and it will eventually feel better and you will feel better if you're able to get that from out of your core. I think the other thing that's important is we're such a label heavy society. And I think that a lot of people who may be afraid to come out or don't really understand are like, well, I'm not bi or I don't know if I'm gay. And the fear of the unknown, it can be like so crippling that a lot of people can be afraid to just experiment. And I learned this from one of my really close friends who she said, you know, I, I don't think I'm gay, but I don't know if I'm bi. And she was like, but I feel like that the term and the, the box that I want to be put in is so crippling that I can't explore and just like figure out what I want. Mm. And I think that it's really important that people know in this theme of Pride Month and gay this or trans or whatever, there are a lot of people who don't necessarily identify with that, but they also don't know. And for fear of being put in a box, they resist the desire that they have to explore that. That, yes. And I've had experiences with guys in my past who they're like, I'm not gay, but once in a while, like they're really attracted to women and they don't even like, and they don't even think that bi fits into their cat. Like they don't even mm -hmm. like the label being bisexual. Some of them, it says, I kind of just like people, <laughs> you know, and like I personalities attract me. And so. I just like that you said that because on my nails, I have so many different flags on here and you may not fit into any one of these flags, but I just think that the way you were born and the way we were all born are, is like our lives, even though we're both gay is so unique. Mm -hmm. Like we still have extremely different types of lives. We have lots of things in common. We love fitness. We love laughing. We love all this stuff. We love our work. But we also have completely other things that are completely different. Yeah. It's kind of like we should all be okay with and be proud of the fact that we are who we are. Mm -hmm. And if you don't fit into any of these flags, if you don't fit into any of these boxes, then just be you. But the other side is for everyone else out there, stop trying to put people in a box. Mm -hmm. Because I even hear when guys say, or when guys have had experience with another guy, like some gay guys are like, oh, they're gay. And I'm like, but no, they're not. No, just because they had an experience with a guy doesn't mean that they're gay. Yeah, and only they know that. And Look, only they know that. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, you know, we kind of have to stop that judgment too. And I think part about being proud and pride is, yeah, like I know 100, I'm gay. You know what I mean? For the most part. <laughs> but I think that's so, to the people listening to this, especially the people in your demographic, I think a lot of people ask the question, how can I be a better ally? Or mm -hmm. I'm already an ally, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of just assuming you're a supporter of the gay community, I think that the challenge would be, 
ask questions to gay people that you know. Ask them questions about their life, things that like open up vulnerable moments to them, better understand their struggle, you know, volunteer. Like there's so much you can do to be an ally if you aren't already that can really strengthen the relationship you have with gay people that goes beyond the rainbow or beyond putting a pride flag up. Like it really enhances your relationship by asking uncomfortable questions that help you better understand someone's life. In other words, dig deeper. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining Chip. Thank you so much Thanks for sharing your story. You guys, he doesn't post much on social media, but I'm sure he checks his DMs every once in a while. So if, if you want to reach out and just have a comment to him that's great thank you guys please share this episode and i would appreciate if you haven't yet subscribed to trust and believe podcast and like i always say always trust and believe in who you are and specifically this month literally accept your true and most authentic self and you don't have to put yourself into a box